There were two men that were called on um, in a seminary classroom, and it was a large class. And they were, recall, they were called on to recite the 23rd Psalm. And uh, one of the, the students, um, turns out he was a, a published orator, um, he was trained in speech and, and technique and, and drama and, the, you know, all things oratory. And so he stood up, and in a very powerful way, he recited the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he finished, the class who had become the audience uh, cheered and then even asked for an encore. They might hear something else from his, you know, wonderful voice. Well, it was the second man's turn, and he then got up in front of the class. He was much older and ended up repeating the very same words that the orator had done, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he came to the close of that psalm, there was no sound heard from the classroom. Instead, people were um, praying and weeping and finding themselves drawn in to the psalm. It was then that the first man got back up and stood before his class, and he said, I have a confession to make. The difference between what you heard from me and what you just heard from my old friend is this. I know the psalm, but my friend, he, he knows the shepherd. And that makes all the difference. And as we look at John chapter 10 this morning, that's really the question. I mean, do you know the do you know the, the words? I mean, they're familiar, they're as familiar as anything in the New Testament that where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. And there are things to know. There's, there's imagery and, you know, ancient Near Eastern customs about shepherding and sheep and all of these things. And they're all interesting and fascinating and but John, who's writing this gospel, for, for the purpose, he says in chapter 20, that we would know that Jesus, we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that we'd have everlasting life. He, he, he doesn't want us to just know about these things. He wants us to know the one whom he's writing about, and that is Jesus. So the question at the very beginning this morning, do you know the shepherd? And at, at every point, we're going to pause and, and ask ourselves, do we know the shepherd? Do we hear the shepherd? Do we, do we know that he knows our name? And that's the point of the passage this morning. I am the good shepherd. Well, I'll tell you what, it comes in the context. Um, if you'll look with me in chapter 10, I'm just going to read the first six verses and then we'll talk about those and then we'll, we'll look at the rest of it. But he starts and says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, the man is a thief and a robber. 
But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. A stranger will not follow. Uh, a stranger they will not follow, but they will follow uh, they, they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So the first question, who's Jesus talking to here? He uses this figure of speech about the sheep and the shepherd and the gate. And, the, and, the, and so the, the uh, metaphor was, was familiar. I mean, they knew all about shepherds. They knew all about sheep. But who's he talking to here that doesn't understand what it is that Jesus is saying and why he's saying it? And the answer to that question comes, if really, and what I did in the first service, I didn't do it with you guys, but I started actually at the end of chapter 9, where the blind man who's been healed, we looked at that last week, he was blind from birth, Jesus comes and he heals him, and it was all of a very physical demonstration uh, that Jesus had talked about from, from the chapter before that, John chapter 8, I'm the light of the world, now chapter 9, the light of the world comes face to face with a man who'd been born blind, the man who'd been born blind end up seeing. And now Jesus is going to give a commentary on that. And who he's talking to? I think he's talking to the Pharisees. They're the ones that are there at the end. And they ask Jesus, are we blind also? And Jesus says, no, you're not blind. You're as guilty as the day is long. See, you have to be blind to be able to see me. See, you, you don't think you're blind. You think you're getting sight. You think you're leading others to sight. Later, you know, another place, Jesus calls them the blind, leading the blind. You're not blind enough to see me, but you're guilty. And so he says, hey, listen, um, those, and, and then now the sheep. The sheep, you know, you look in the Old Testament, there's this theological um, uh, image where the people of God are sheep, and he God himself, he's the shepherd. That's why David says in Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He's the shepherd. And that's why Jesus will come and say, okay, now here's the sheep. And those that are, that are trying to get into where the sheep are, where the sheep are supposed to be, they're, they're thieves and they're and they're robbers. And later he'll give the image they're wolves and they're hired hands. He's talking to the Pharisees. Like he's looking at them and he's saying, you know what? You know who you are? You're New England patriots. That's who you are. And you just think you're something special. That doesn't mean I'm rooting for the saints. Although it is a Christian, you know, I mean, it's a good thing to call the people that are going to beat the patriots. I'm rooting for the commercials, all right? So, but you're, you're not shepherds. I mean, you're supposed to be shepherds. 
You're the religious leaders. You're the Pharisees. You're the ones that know the Old Testament. You're the ones that know the law. You're the ones that people come to when they come to make their sacrifices. You're supposed to be shepherds. You're supposed to be caring for the sheep of God, but you're not. You lead them astray. You're thieves. You're robbers. You, 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 ex, you leave them exposed. You lead them to slaughter. And the whole picture is, there was this man born blind and the light of the world came and the man's eyes were opened and he saw. And all that you wanted to do was you wanted to bring him to your own little tribunal here. And then you, you questioned his parents, well, was he even born blind? And then you end up at the very end saying, listen, we don't, we don't care if you see or not. The fact that you were born blind means that you were born into sin, which means you are a sinner, which means if you're a sinner, you have no word to say to us that we would listen to. And what they end up doing is they take this man who has received this great gift of sight, which you find out from the Old Testament, only God is the one that is able to grant sight to the blind. And they cast him out of the synagogue. And so Jesus says, I'm going to give an illustration and you try to figure out who you are in the story. And that's who they are. And he says, um, the, the one who enters the door, he's the shepherd. He's going to say later that he is the door, but we'll get to that in verse Seven, to him the gatekeeper opens and then the shepherd, uh, the sheep, they hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. And so there's this, this picture of um, a shepherd in the ancient Near East. In fact, you can go there today. So when we took our trip to um, Egypt and to Jordan, um, I guess last fall, um, one of the things that you can do, you, you can do it in Israel. It's, it's not as easy to do in Israel because they've, it's, it's more commercialized and more 21st century the way they do uh, shepherding. But you can be on the other side of the Jordan, in Jordan, and you can be on a bus. And you're on your bus and you know, you're traveling and you, you know, you're going from one place to the next. And you know, you're, you're taking this long road and there's nothing but you know, rolling hills out on either side. And what you'll see is that over in Jordan, there's still very much a Bedouin lifestyle. You have Bedouins that are shepherds, and they'll just be out there uh, with their sheep. You get the driver to pull over, and you tell your guide, your in-country guide that knows the language, you give him some cash, and he gets out, and he talks to one of the shepherds, and says, hey, you've got a bunch of Americans here that want to see you in action. So he'll grease his palms with the money, and um, then, you know, then we all get out, and we stand there. You know, there he is, and just translating back and forth, and who knows what the shepherd's saying about us, and, uh, and the guide, for that matter. But anyways, the whole deal is you say, okay, well, he, you know, he's got all these sheep on a hill, and so you're standing there, and you can look up, and there's a sheep on the hill, and um, I've, I've been a part of this two times, and the first time, it was, it was awesome, because you had um, two or three shepherds and they had all their flocks together and they were up on the hill. And so one of the shepherds, you know, we said to him, well, call your sheep and let's see if your sheep will come. And so he does, he makes this call and it's not like a, he's not like, you know, come here or, you know, 
or whatever, however you'd say it, you know, uh, Aramaic. But, and it's not like he doesn't whistle either. He makes this, you know, he takes his tongue inside of his mouth, you know, and, he, and, then, and then pushes air out and the tongue flaps up and down and it makes this noise, you know, you know something like that, I don't know. They're all different. But he'd learned it from his dad, we come to find out. So he does. He makes this noise, and it's so amazing. So of all the sheep on the hill, there's only a certain portion. They, they come out, and they start trotting. Sheep don't, sheep don't run very fast, but they're, you know, as fast as they can, to their shepherd. And the rest of them, they just stayed. They didn't even look up. They're just still eating. It was nothing to them. So it was kind of cool. Um, how that happened. The, the next time we did it, um, the guy we were with, uh, who was an interesting guy, but he, he, he was wanting to press it even further. He should have stopped while he was ahead. So he says, you know, he calls the sheep. Uh, the guy calls the sheep, comes, and he says, well, you know, in John 10, you know, the sheep come because they hear his voice. And, but they're not, they won't come to strangers. So I'm thinking, oh boy, all right. Um, so what he does then is he mimics uh, the, the shepherd's call, uh, and sure enough, those sheep just start come running to him. And, uh, you know, then he's like, well, yeah, but, you know, they, they, they were just confused. You know, I'm like, whatever. Um, but the idea is, is that when you had several shepherds and you had a bunch of sheep, that the, when, you, when the one shepherd called, only his sheep would come, and they wouldn't come for somebody else. And that's what Jesus is saying. You know, so I'm going to call, and when I call, my sheep are going to come to me. And now there's all these sheep and all these shepherds, but I'm the good shepherd. I'm the true shepherd. You find out he's the, and then later in the day, he's the chief shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And when I call, my sheep They'll hear my voice, and they'll come. And the picture is there was this pen, you know, they'd bring all the sheep, all the shepherds would pen them together at night, and Jesus comes and he calls his out of there. And so we're left to ask, do you hear his call? Do you know his voice? Do you know that he knows your name? Do you know the shepherd? That's what John wants us to ask. Do we know the, the shepherd? And there are a lot of things we can follow. Listen, there's a lot of things calling our name. There's a lot of things making calls out there. In Jesus' day, he was specifically combating or uh, going on the offensive against the religious leaders who were using God's law as a bully club against people. He's going to call them false teachers and wolves and thieves. But today, there's all kinds of things. If, I mean, listen, there are all kinds of things calling your name. There are all kinds of things sounding a call, promising you life. What are you tuned into? That's the question. Well, then he's going to change the metaphor a little bit or... Um, you know, the first six verses are about he's calling his own. And, the se and beginning in verse 7 of chapter 10, so Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
It's going to be the third time he's going to use an I am statement. I, I am. First time, chapter 6, I am the bread of life. And then chapter 8, chapter 9, I am the light of the world. And here he's going to say, I am the door. In just a couple of verses, he'll say, I am the good shepherd. And, and these I am statements, you think about it this way. John opens up the gospel and says, I'll tell you who Jesus is. He is the word made flesh. He is the one who was um, with God before all things. And he was God. He is God. And he stepped out of the heavenlies and out of eternity into history and took on flesh. And now what we're seeing is this eternal one in the flesh, in time and history, walking through the landscape of the Middle East, encountering men and women, and John's writing about it. So when he says, I'm the, I'm the bread of life, it is Jesus using very human terms and human images, earthly images, to communicate an eternal reality. And when he says, I'm the door, you, you, you want in, you, you come through me, I'm the door. There is no other door. It is not, you know, biblical studies is not the door. Phariseeism is not the door. Religion is not the door. Bethel Bible Church is not the door. I'm the door. If you want to know life, eternity, salvation, you come through me. Truly, truly, I say, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me, they're thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture, abundance, which is what he means in verse 10, that the thief that comes only to steal and kill and destroy, which means they, that, that's, that's language for the, for the slaughter. They would come, they would steal the sheep, they would take the sheep, they would slaughter the sheep, they would consume the sheep. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Forever life. He's the source of life. He's the meaning of life. And that's why he's come. You know, what has happened up to this point is that every time Jesus talks, every time this one from eternity that took on flesh utters words in the midst of a people, every time that happens, there is division. There are some who will follow him, some who hear his voice. You'll even see where John will say, and they believed him. And then you'll always see that part of the group is grumbling or conspiring or picking up rocks to stone him because they don't want to hear what he has to say. See, John is telling us there is, there is no middle ground with Jesus. You're in or you're out. You're 
for him or you're against him. You believe him or you don't believe him. There's no room in John's gospel for Jesus just merely being a good teacher or a good role model or, you know, an ethical standard by which we should live. He leaves that out. You're in or you're out. Do you know, do you hear the voice of the shepherd? Well, then he goes to verse 11, and this is, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Their their life is worth more than the sheep's life. Their life, at the first sign of danger, they run and they hightail it. But this good shepherd... The good shepherd, he lays down his life. Verse 13, he flees because he's a hired man and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I I know them the way I know my Father and I've known my Father for eternity and love him. That's how I know him. And that's, that's how I know my sheep. And I lay down my life for my sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And all of us in here that are not Jewish would say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Because we're those sheep. This is the mystery of the church. And I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He loves me because my will is his will. I do the works of the Father. Before the foundations of time. As we discussed, how would we be both the just and the justifier? How would the sin and rebellion and treachery and wickedness of humanity be paid for? How would it be atoned? Because then I said, I, I will be the one who takes their place. I will be the lamb that's led to their slaughter. I will become their sin. I will become the object of your divine and eternal and just and holy wrath so that they won't have to. I'll go and I'll lay my life down for the sheep. When Jesus says he's good, they would have generally thought, well, good, I know what a good shepherd does. He leads the sheep, make sure they get fed. 
goes after the ones that aren't too hard. But Jesus says, I lay down my life. And what he meant by that was he meant the cross. And he'll talk about the cross often in John's gospel and in the other gospels. And he points to the cross as where it is that he's going to go. And he'll even tell his disciples at three different occasions in the other gospels, we're going to go to Jerusalem. And then this time when we get to Jerusalem, we're going there because I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to be um, uh, beaten. And they're going to try me in, in a court. They're, they're not going to be able to find me guilty, but they're going to declare me guilty. And I'll be mocked and spit upon and stripped and nailed to a cross and I'll die on a hill. And I'll lay dead in a grave for three days and then I will rise again. According to the scriptures. Because the Old Testament points to that. And even though the disciples, his closest friends, the, the ones who heard him teach, They wouldn't understand. They couldn't fully grasp or comprehend. All they knew was he's the king. We're going in there. We're going to give Rome, you know, a run for their money. And he's all the temporary blessings of, a, of an earthly king and an earthly shepherd. And Jesus had his eyes on eternity. Not fixing their circumstance now, but saving their souls forever. And that's what he means. Jesus knows their name, and he calls them, and they follow him. And that's what his sheep do. Now, notice in verse 19, there's going to be this response again to Jesus. There was again a division. There was in chapter 2, and there was in chapter 4, and in chapter 5, and in chapter 6, and chapter 7, and chapter 8, and chapter 9, and here again in chapter 10, there is a division amongst the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon, and he's insane. Why well, listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is Oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And I'm sure they're looking at the blind man who's standing there. In the face of all the Pharisees who have cast this man out of the synagogue. But it says in 935, Jesus went and found him. Because he was part of the flock. And here the whole section is, do you know the shepherd? The one who came, he'll give his life up. He'll give us life by giving his own life up. The sheep recognize him and come. He's, oh, he's the one who opens the eyes of the blind because he is the light of the world. And he's the door and he's the shepherd. And there no, no one else comes and gives you access to the eternal heavenly Father, but Him. And so there's three implications I want to talk about, and then we're going to take communion together. The first is, there is this characteristic of the shepherd, the good shepherd, who knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. And in verse 3, he calls the sheep his own sheep by name. 
He knows your name. And then you find out as you read through the Old Testament, you get to the Revelation, which is also written by John. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, he not only knows your name, he knows He knows your name. One in which you don't even know yet. A name of in- intimacy and salvation. In John chapter or Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone. And no one knows it except the one who receives it. You know, in the New Testament, you see these glimpses. Some of the early saints got their name immediately. Peter's one of those. Simon. You're no longer going to be called Simon because your name's Peter. You know what it means? Rock or little stone. You're getting your little stone first. In fact, I'm going to build my church on what you have to say. He knows your name. There's an intimacy with which your shepherd knows you and loves you and cares for you and seeks your everlasting good. Are you listening to his voice? The second thing I would say is that when you think about the characteristic of the shepherd, there's a contrast between what the shepherd has come to do as the Word of God made flesh versus what the shepherds of his day were able to do. The contrast is the law. See, under the law, the sheep, they must die for the shepherd. The sheep are raised to be the sacrifice, to then die in the place of the shepherd that raised them. Here Jesus comes and announces, I am the shepherd who dies for the sheep. And this is grace. It's not about what you do. It's about the one who calls you what he did. And then finally it is that the shepherd, he's the door of the sheep. And a couple of things about that. One, he's the the author we find, the author of our salvation. He's um, the one through whom, um, the only one through whom salvation comes. He shall be saved, the one who comes through the door. It's a place of perfect security and safety and and a vast um, abundance on the other side of that door. He shall go in and come out. There's this communion and this fellowship and this privileged access you have with the God who created you through the one who is the door. And it's important to know this access that you have, this fellowship, this communion you have, it is not based upon your sanctification. It is not based upon how good you smell at the end of the day. See, I think some think, you know, there's this 
You know, sheep, they're, they're dumb and they're smelly, and that's what it means, you know? We're dumb and we're smelly. Well, that may be, some more than others even. But I don't think that's the image. The image is absolutely and completely and totally dependent. That's what it means. It's never about what the sheep end up being able to do. It is always about the sheep's dependence on the shepherd. You know, it's been said that sheep are one of the few animals in the world that if left to their own, they cannot, they do not have the ability to go wild. You lose your horse, your horse might miss the great stable it had for a while, but eventually the horse is going to go wild and defend for itself. It'll be okay. Your dog may run away, but it will not be helpless. But a sheep... A sheep gets lost from the shepherd and gets lost from the fold. He'll just stand out in the middle of the field and go, huh. What am I supposed to do? Oh, eat. Huh, what do I eat? Oh, it's getting dark. What am I supposed to do when it gets dark? And he'll just stand there and become food for the wolf. Sheep cannot survive on his own. In fact, it was said that one of the you know, practices of shepherds was if they had a sheep that kept running off, you know, and he'd run off and he'd lead others off, that what the shepherd would do is why the psalmist says, um, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. You know what the shepherd would do if the sheep kept running off? He'd take his rod this is going to sound terrible. I, no PETA back then, all right? But for the good of the sheep, you know what he did? Break his leg. So the sheep couldn't walk and wander off. And you know what the shepherd would do? Then he'd pick the sheep up and put the sheep on his shoulder and carry the sheep from place to place, from food to food, from shelter to shelter until the leg healed. And then when the leg healed, you know what? The sheep never ran off. He took a sheep that did not love his master, did not love his shepherd, rebelled against him, broke his leg, and now he knows the love of the shepherd and never leaves. It is not about what we become as sheep. It is about our, our constant dependence. And that is why your access through the door um, uh, by the shepherd is not one that is ever based upon what it is that you've done. It is not how well you've cleaned yourself up. It is about the fact that you have come through the door and peace is settled once and for all. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 will say, we enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Not by our sacrifice, not by our blood, not by, not by our progress, but by what Jesus has done. By the new and the living way which he opened for us through the curtain. We have been made near. We have been brought near by his sacrifice, not by our goodness. And so we go in and we go out. 
into fellowship and in and out of the great pasture and abundance, which isn't your bank account so much as it is your peace for eternity. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. A lot of thieves' voices out there calling to you. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And that's everlasting life. The source of life, the meaning of life. He's come for you and calls you by name. Do you know the shepherd? Do you know him? Do you know his voice? Do you hear his call? Have you walked through his door? Do you know your dependence upon him? Do you know he is good? That's what John wants us to ask this morning. And so what we'll do is we'll take communion. The one who said, I lay down my life and I take it up again. See, that, that's what we remember this morning. That for us, he laid down his life. So nobody takes it from me. I lay it down. And I raise it up again. And that's what we remember. That our shepherd, our savior, came in the flesh and shed his blood so that we might live. And that's what we celebrate. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the men that are going to help us with communion, if you guys would go ahead and come forward. I'm going to pray. We will um, wait until we've all been served. There's, there's a, a cup of juice that will come by, you'll take it. And you, there's a piece of bread to come by and you'll take it. And if you need gluten-free and wheat-free and I don't know, all the other frees, we have the cardboard bread in the back for you. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. It is, is, is good. It's back there. And want you to participate. And if, you're a save, if you've been saved, you know the shepherd and you've heard his voice and walked through the door. It is, you're trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation. This table is your remembrance. And we invite you to enjoy, uh, uh, to join us. If you don't know him as your shepherd, if you haven't said, you know what, I do follow him. I have heard his voice. I, I am one of his. I didn't, let it pass you by and just watch us this morning. There's a bunch of sheep who remember their shepherd. That's who we are. Completely dependent upon him. And I'm going to pray for you that this morning your eyes would be opened by faith. To know the one who's the bread of life and the light of the world and the door and the good shepherd. If you would, would you bow with me? Father, we come this morning and we hear these words of your son, Jesus, your eternal son, Jesus. In the midst of a land, in the midst of a people, in a place, at a time in history, and it boggles our mind that the creator of the world stepped into creation, the one who 
has existed before time forever and will exist after time forever. Stepped into history and used the most earthy and common illustrations to tell us and to show us who he is. Things like I'm the door and I'm the good shepherd. And these earthly pictures grant us a window into his eternity and power and sovereignty and goodness and love. And Father, not only did he step out of eternity into history, and he took on flesh, but Father, he died our death. He became the sin that we are and died the death that we deserve and laid in the grave for three days so that there was no question that he was dead and then was raised to new life and invites us through the door into the pasture, into the abundant life of your presence with him. Father, if there's anybody here this morning that has not heard that call, that does not know the voice of the shepherd. Would you grant them eyes to see and ears to hear this morning what only you can do and that your word as it has been read and proclaimed that it would not return void on any of our lives. And so we pray this the only way we can. In the name of your son Jesus and by the power of your spirit. Amen.